welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. Isham invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome, Isham Nation, to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 27. Can you believe it? Turkey Day is just a week or so away. Seems like once we hit Thanksgiving, the rest of the year just kind of slips away. Well, I hope as we enter this holiday season that you'll take some time for yourself and also take some time and spend it with your family. Well, today on the show, we have the segment, What's On My Mind, followed by our guest speakers, Kevin McLaughlin and Randy Statton from Northfield Medical, discussing the importance of having a preventative maintenance program for your surgical instruments. It's a great show, so let's get started with what's on my mind. Thanks for joining me for What's On My Mind. So if you're new to the show, this is the segment where I get to rant. I get to talk about something that I think is important. So really this segment's all about me. Well, part of my job as a clinical educator with Isham is to answer questions from SPD folks like you. And it's really one of the highlights because it gives me a chance to interact with you guys. And sometimes I even get to be helpful, Eh, but no promises. Well, I get a lot of questions that can be directly found in the AMI standards. So today I'm going to talk about the AMI standards, AMI ST79 2017, which is the Comprehensive Guide to Steam Sterilization and Sterility Assurance in Healthcare Facilities. Now, I understand that there are a lot of departments out there that that struggle. You know, they struggle with funding. um, They can't get the budget dollars for these kind of standards you know and I get it you know because I've been in that situation but I'm gonna be brutally honest today that's no excuse there's no excuse to not have a copy of the standards in the sterile processing department pretty much everything you read today you're gonna find some sort of statement about manufacturers instructions for use right those IFUs it's in the standards it's in pretty much all of the ISHM literature. It's in the AORN guidelines. Even the surveyors out there are looking for these standards. Every day you process instrumentation and those IFUs, they tell you how to do it, right? Well, the IFUs for running sterile processing, they're in the standards, specifically AMI ST79. So if you don't have a copy, then essentially, you don't have the IFUs for the department. I recently purchased a new office desk, and guess what? I used the instructions provided to put it together. You know, it told me step-by-step what to do. I've also said this in the past, that I live in colorful Colorado. And in the wintertime, it's a really good idea to winterize things. You know, so they work the next year. Well, recently I pulled out my lawnmower manual and I followed the instructions for winterizing. 
Now, I only do this in the winter, and I'm getting kind of old, and I'm getting forgetful, so I need those instructions to refresh my memory. Even when I'm mixing tracks for these podcasts, sometimes I need to look at the instructions, right? Those instructions tell me how to do different things. Same goes for the AMI standards. They're the IFUs for stereo processing. Now the current standards came out in 2017, so you've had three years to find the money in your budget to get one. Healthcare facilities spend millions of dollars on instruments, millions of dollars on equipment, so the purchase of the standards really pales in comparison. I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing surveyors citing facilities for not having a copy of the standards in the department because it's just like not having those IFUs. So full transparency here, Isham does sell the standards, but really I don't care. I don't care where you get it. I don't care where you buy it. If you don't buy it from us, buy it from Amy. You can buy it from them directly. You can even buy it on Amazon. The point I'm really trying to get across here is that you should have a copy of the IFUs for stale processing in your department. You should have the standards. All right, so that's going to do it for this segment. That's going to do it for my rant on the standards and what's on my mind. Today, our speakers come from Northfield Medical. Northfield Medical is one of the largest service and repair companies of medical equipment in the United States. They repair everything from surgical instruments, powered equipment, and cameras, to rigid, semi-rigid, and flexible endoscopes, just to name a few. They also offer consultative support and a wide range of education with a focus on helping the healthcare industry care for their equipment and improve patient outcomes. For more information on Northfield, go to northfieldmedical.com. Again, that's northfieldmedical.com. Today, our guest speakers are Kevin McLaughlin and Randy Statton. Kevin has been with Northfield Medical for the last 13 years and currently serves as a Regional Director for Sales and Operations in Colorado. Randy has over 30 years of experience in surgical instrument repair and has worked for several of the top national instrument repair companies in various positions. He's been with Northfield Medical for the last 13 years and currently serves as a Denver Lab Manager and Regional Manager of On-Site Operations and Education in the Colorado region. Randy and Kevin, thank you for joining me on this Isham Nation podcast. Let's go ahead and get into our first question. What does it mean to perform preventative maintenance on your surgical instruments? And what exactly is a preventative maintenance program? 
first of all, thanks for having us on, John. Uh, we think the world of Isham and what you all do for healthcare, and it's a real honor being part of your, your podcast. What does it mean to perform preventative maintenance? Well, simply put, it is performing routine inspection and care on your instrument sets to prevent the likelihood of a future failure. There's so many things that contribute to a successful patient outcome, and, and doing all you can to make sure your instruments are in top working condition when you need them, well, that's certainly one of them. There's a big difference between repairing or replacing your instruments when they break, like when a doctor complains that his scissors aren't sharp or his kerosene won't cut, versus having a PM program in place. The first is a reactive approach, and the second is a, is a more proactive approach. And I, I can't tell you how much of a difference it makes to take that proactive approach. It's going to drastically reduce in-case instrument failures, increase nurse and doctor satisfaction, and as I mentioned already, and most importantly, it's going to increase the likelihood of a successful patient outcome. And I think it's also important not to confuse a preventative maintenance program with, with on-site repair service. If you have a comprehensive instrument uh, maintenance program in place, it's far more encompassing than your traditional on-site service. You know, and when I say traditional, that's where an on-site technician simply repairs and sharpens broken instruments. I call that the old break-fix model, and it's a very reactive one. A truly comprehensive instrument maintenance program requires, you know, that's going to require careful planning. And most importantly, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, and you'll probably hear Randy say it a lot as well, a true collaboration between everyone from the SPD to the OR to your hospital administration and leadership and your repair company. So how would a hospital go about starting a preventative maintenance program? The first step, I, I guess, which makes sense is deciding if you want and need a program to be in place and you need to have everyone to buy in and believe in its value. Again, here's where the true collaboration is needed. If everyone isn't bought into the success and the value of the program, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a constant struggle. Once you do get everyone on board, though, the second and most critical step is going to be implementing that program effectively. Can you explain a good implementation process and what that would look like? Randy, why don't you take this one? Sure, sure. An effective preventative maintenance program is really fairly easy to implement. Uh, there's not a lot of heavy lifting involved. Really, there's not. Most repair companies will have an implementation outline or a checklist to follow. But you can really break it down into really three simple steps. And the first step, or step one, is to get an accurate inventory of sets. It's amazing how many facilities we see that just don't have an accurate inventory, you know, of their instrument sets, or, or no inventory at all. They have no idea of what sets they own or how many of each. Once we get that inventory, we can very easily and quickly verify it. We want to verify the accuracy. Now, don't be afraid to have your repair company help you with this step. I can't tell you how many hours and weekends Kevin and I have spent in a sterile core uh, just verifying inventory. So get these guys to help you. This is where that true collaboration that Kevin spoke of can come into play. Now, the second step is to transfer that data that you've compiled into an instrument tracking system. Now, there's several programs available, and most hospitals currently have some type of what we call an instrument management system in place. However, they might not be fully utilizing the instrument tracking and the preventative maintenance portion or that module, which is tied into the instrument management program, and therefore it's really, really extremely easy to set up. What if a hospital doesn't have a tracking program in place, or maybe their budget doesn't really allow one to be purchased? Well, this is where partnering with your repair company or your repair vendor can help you as well. Most instrument repair companies will have a preventative instrument maintenance program. 
that will also help you track your repairs. Now, since most of these types of programs aren't tied into the instrument management program that I spoke about used by the hospital, these programs are usually going to be what we call time-based rather than usage-based. But let's face it, either program is better than no program at all. Sure. So you mentioned time-based programs versus usage-based programs. Can you explain the differences and the benefits or the shortfalls of each? Yeah, absolutely. And first, I'm going to reiterate what Randy said because I think it's really important. Doing either one is better than nothing. And truly, both can be very effective. But the most effective and efficient, without a doubt, is going to be your usage-based PM program. So let's look at like a time-based system first, though. That means you set your maintenance intervals based on a certain amount of time. Let's say, for example, you decide you want to PM your basic bone sets every 90 days. The shortfall with this is you really don't know if every one of your basic bone sets is going to be used the same amount of time in that 90 days. Let's be honest. They most likely aren't, right? You got basic bone set number eight that may have been used five times. And then you got basic bone number 12 was used 14 times. Okay, so 90 days comes around and you might be taking sets out that really don't need work yet or vice versa really could have used work sooner. So if it doesn't need it, don't worry. Your repair company isn't going to do unnecessary repairs to it. That's not the concern. But regardless, John, and I know you've worked in this industry forever, so you can attest to this. There's a real cost to that set leaving the department. And what has to happen? Now it's got to come back in. It's got to be processed all the way through decontamination. Additionally, you may have been able to pull another set due for service had you known. Now, conversely, let's talk about a usage-based program. This alleviates all those concerns. You'll only be alerted if that set is due for service after a specific amount of time of uses. And the beauty is usage intervals can always be adjusted to account for many factors, you know, like doctor preferences or how hard they are in certain types of instruments. Or maybe your facility is one that has has a little bit of water quality concern, so you need to see your sets more frequently to stay ahead of problems. The list goes on and on. But the main point here, and I say this all the time to our customers, Please understand that this program is yours, and it's a living and breathing thing that can be adjusted or tweaked at any time to fit your individual facility's needs. And another cool benefit of this is the analytics that come out of a usage-based program. They're just much stronger and more useful. So now that you have your inventory and have decided on a program, what is the next step? Well, John, the last step or the final step is to determine the maintenance frequency. How often do we need to service each of these sets? We need to ask ourselves, how many sets do we own? How many minor sets? How many major sets, vascular sets, and so on? What types of sets do you have? And what types of surgeries are you performing on a regular basis? We also want to know the caseload. How often are you using each of these sets? And once we get all this this information, this data, we have to compile it. And your repair company, again, lean on them to help you determine the frequency of service and how many service visits you need. So we also want to consider financial budgets here. I know a lot of folks in the audience right now are asking this question. Hey, you know, this is great stuff. We love it. But what is a preventative maintenance program going to cost, right? And that's going to vary on all of the before-mentioned considerations we just talked about. But when you start to realize not only the cost savings benefits, but all of the benefits of having a program in place, I think the question is really going to be, what's the cost of not having a program? Now let's get into the heart of an instrument preventative program. What are the benefits? Well, first and foremost, patient safety. I think we can all agree, right, that the number of one concern within our industry is patient safety. The healthcare industry is constantly evolving, and even more so, you know, now with the the pandemic. 
Uh, we're all constantly redefining best practices uh, with ongoing technologies and, and simply just more education. And the evolution has always been, or at least in recent years, it's been based around patient care, patient safety. And so we want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. We say that a lot. And, and having this preventative maintenance program in place is definitely part of the solution. You know, with routine preventative maintenance, problems can be caught before they get to the OR. And this can be uh, no time to find another instrument because a scissor was dull or a force was misaligned, which easily lead to more time under anesthesia, definite risk to the patient. Uh, we can prevent adverse effects of an instrument failing in the OR and all the, you know, these, the inherent risk associated with that. You know, it's, it's better instruments equals better patient care. And better instruments really transitions into the second major benefit, which is surgeon satisfaction. Mm -hmm. This one doesn't really need a lot of explanation. You know, surgeon <laughs> satisfaction directly relates to patient care, right, and the patient safety. Let's face it, we all want a happy surgeon when, when we're in surgery or our family members, you know, going to have surgery. Yes. And, and I feel we owe it to our surgeons to ensure they have the tools necessary to do their jobs and that these tools are, are clean and they're sharp and they're in good working order. I know how frustrating it is when my computer isn't working right. Yeah, sure. Which usually turns out to be his fault. Uh, true, true, true. <laughs> but sometimes, just sometimes, it is a hardware problem or it's a software issue, right? Just imagine now how frustrating it would be for a surgeon to have instruments that don't perform while they're in a case. And, and how many times does this need to happen before a surgeon, you know, decides to perform his or her cases somewhere else? Then finally, there's cost savings, right? Spending less capital investment on new instruments. It's easy as that. A preventative maintenance program helps us to catch instruments before they break or before a small repair becomes a costly repair. Mm -hmm. uh, also, routine maintenance uh, instruments last longer. It's really like maintenance on your car. So if you've ever been, you know, bought a used car or been in the market to buy a used car, you know, you're looking for a car that's got all the maintenance records, right? Rather than one that has none at all. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, you know, because you know that with routine maintenance, it's probably going to last longer. It's not going to have any major issues, right? And it works exactly the same way with surgical instruments. Uh, another cost savings can be a dramatic reduction in case delays or case cancellations. Mm -hmm. And that's due to sets not being ready or available for surgery. Some, you know, sometimes it only takes one instrument, you know, it's broken or missing to keep that set, quote, down or not able to be used for a case. And there's a real cost savings associated here. And lastly, there's a term of what, what I call or what we call value adds. And value adds is the added value you get when you partner with a good, reputable repair company. Now, I've touched on a few of those earlier, but one of the biggest value adds is education. Mm -hmm. You know, education is, is such an important part of what we call, and here's a mouthful, a truly comprehensive preventative maintenance program. I'll say that again, truly comprehensive. And I was reading a white paper that was published in uh, Infection Control Today, and it was written by Karen Lillis, who's been writing, gosh, industry articles for 20 some odd years. Oh, no. Here comes his instrument repair nerd coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't, sometimes I can't help myself. But uh, um, when referring to preventive maintenance repairs, the article states, and I'm going to quote this, the root cause of these problems typically stems from a combination of inadequate training and the absence of a succinct preventable maintenance schedule, end quote. And this really sums up the importance of education and continuing education within a comprehensive instrument maintenance program. So now that we've heard some of the benefits of a preventative maintenance program, can you tell us about some of the hurdles and 
really some of the obstacles that you've encountered? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. So first of all, you've heard everything we've said, and you'd think a preventative maintenance program is a no-brainer, right? Right. Why would you run a hospital without one in place? You have preventative maintenance schedules for tons of other hospital hospital equipment. You got preventative maintenance programs on your boilers, your sterilizers, your OR surgical beds, tons of equipment. Why not surgical instruments? Why does that get put on the back burner? Getting a hospital to be willing to commit the dollars and the time, and then, and here's the key, and understanding that, that, that those dollars are an investment that will lead to long-term cost savings and that they're not a sunk cost, that can be a challenge. And John, you know, that, that's why we, we love these podcasts that, you, that you're producing. You know, it really gives us the opportunity to share this information with your members and the healthcare community at large. My hope is that those facilities who don't have a program in place will really consider looking into one. And for those facilities who do currently have a program in place, we'll really take a good, hard look and see if it's truly comprehensive and is it truly effective. So I, I like what you said at the end there. For those who have a program in place, ask yourself if it's comprehensive and effective. So can we get a little deeper into that? What might cause a current program to be ineffective? Well, uh, you know, as Kevin mentioned uh the first obstacle is actually getting a hospital to implement the program. And he, and he couldn't be more correct. But once the decision has been made to actually implement a program, the actual implementation process, like, you know, like we went over, is, is relatively easy. Now, maintaining the program and staying on schedule can be much more difficult. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. And again, a true collaboration is the key. That's right. Creating that buy-in from everyone involved, right? Right. And, and here's an example of what can happen, right? Your repair company or your on-site technician shows up in the morning. They know which set needs to be seen. They're ready to get to work. And, and they hear this. Oh, man, we're so sorry. We just, we're just too busy today to service sets. We've had, a, we've had a lot of add-ons. Or how many times have you heard this one? We're short-staffed today. We had two people call in this morning. Yeah, right. Or uh, one sterilizer went down last night. We, we just uh, can't give you any sets today. You know, we hear, we hear all of that. So your technician says, well, okay, see you next week. And now you're a week behind schedule. And then maybe a month later, you know, another something else happens. And now you're another week behind schedule. Now, if you're an administrator or a director at the facility, you may, you know, tell yourself, oh, we're fine. We have a program in place. Everything's wonderful. But is your program running smoothly and effectively? Do you have that true collaboration, that buy-in, that commitment, you know, to ensure that everyone's working together to ensure your program's successful? So, you know, it's very easy to get behind schedule and off schedule, and it's much, much harder to catch up. So how can the folks in sterile processing help you guys? Oh, man, the S SPD department can help immensely. We always say that the SPD department and their repair company, we're in this together, and we really mean that. Where do complaints come first if there's an issue? They go to the SPD department, <laughs> regardless of who's at fault. And where does that complaint go? It goes to the repair company. <laughs> and we're so incredibly close with all the SPD folks that we work with. And I think that's imperative. They're like family to us. We say this, and I, I don't say it lightly. We think you guys are the unsung and oftentimes unappreciated heroes of the hospitals. More than anything, the SPD department, you know, you can be our eyes and ears and our true partner. That's right. And specifically speaking, SPD can be a huge help in the inspection process. Test instruments you feel might not, you know, be out of spec or they might be dull. Put actual testing stations um, in e at each workstation that has testing materials and testing procedures for most instruments. Most of your repair companies out there will provide these testing stations for your department uh, if you just ask for them. Let's not forget, you know, your laparoscopic instruments either. Use your mm -hmm. testing equipment. Again, 
If you don't have a laparoscopic tester, get with your repair company. Most of them are going to provide you with you one. Now, here's, here's another opportunity to take advantage of education. You know, ask for in-services on how to in- test instruments, how to use the testing equipment properly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Education is so important. Uh, what other opportunities do you guys provide, or should SPD folks look to their in- instrument company to provide them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, lean on it. We can come in and we can present in-services on uh, care and handling of surgical instruments and how to test instruments. Uh, The list goes on and on and on. And all of these in-services are really geared toward the SPD department. And most of them, if not all of them, come with CEs too. So there's an added bonus there. And lastly, I'm going to piggyback on what Kevin said about being the eyes and ears. An SPD department can be very helpful in filtering complaints or concerns Heck, maybe once in a while, uh, passing on a, a compliment or two. We love to hear that. <laughs> uh, you know, we get complaints from time to time. As a repair company, shoot, almost every encounter we have begins with a complaint. You know, an instrument sure. either needs repair or it needs sharpening, and that's a complaint. So when you hear a complaint, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, that's an opportunity for us to do our jobs. SPD can be the eyes and the ears and really help us to help the hospital. So I, I really like the collaboration approach you guys have been talking about, implementing and managing a comprehensive preventative maintenance program. And I can certainly see the benefits. Is there anything else that you would like to add that might help some uh, SPD folks in their decision on whether to implement a preventative maintenance program at their facility? As you can probably tell, we're really passionate about surgical instrument maintenance and repair. And we could talk about this all day. Not that anyone would want to listen to us all day, but I think the main goal is simply put, have some sort of a program in place. And I can't emphasize that enough. I remember reading an article in the AON Journal some years back, and they they gave an example of a a 250-bed hospital, and they had around a three to four million dollars in surgical instrument inventory. Now, you know, fast forward to today, that number's definitely gone up. It's rising every year. Not only is that a substantial investment, but it's a substantial amount of equipment to care for. And I truly believe, maybe now more than ever, it's all of our responsibility to be good stewards of the industry. And I think having a PM program in place, it does that twofold. It's fiscally a smart thing to do to protect your investment and reduce long-term capital expenditures. And secondly, it increases the quality of patient care and and maximizes the chance of a successful patient outcome. It's really a win-win for us all. Randy, do you have anything to add on top of that? No, I I think you summed it up there. But I do want to leave with this. you know, very early in my career, and Kevin always says it's when I came over on the Mayflower, <laughs> but, but uh, very early in my career, a surgeon told me this, and, I went, and I'll never forget it, and I want to leave with this. He said, every procedure starts with a surgical instrument and ends with a surgical instrument. And, and I really think that that pretty much says it all. Well said. Randy, Kevin, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you for taking your time to talk to the Isham Nation listeners about a preventative maintenance program and what an added value, like you said, that is to their facility. So thank you guys both for your time. John, thank you very much. And we, we really appreciate what you're doing out there. Thank you. A big thank you to Kevin and Randy for speaking with us today. Isham Nation episode 27 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes 
fill out the required information, and select the code PROACTIVE. As in, be proactive and take care of your instruments. Again, the code for this episode is PROACTIVE. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, Isham Nation. Have a great turkey day, and we'll see you next time.